Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. It has for a first time brought in synergy of environment and nature and humans. And the entire development is envisaged in a way that it's not just economical development or a wealth development. It's envisaged in a way like it's a better livelihood for all, better equity, better opportunities and a more harmony, most importantly, with nature and other communities and other people. SDG Talks in the house, what's going on? Really insightful conversation today with Praharsh Patel, ranging from Kuch, India. He's going to talk to us about how they're recharging groundwater within India and why groundwater is such a lifeblood within India. And this concept of switching the idea of tragedy of commons to the happiness of commons by empowering farmers and giving them different ideas and best practices to recharge groundwater. And on that note of empower, really empowering farmers to, with this new idea that came from Unleash and now Unleash Plus, empowering farmers and how they can repurpose their different products, particularly with dates, into other products that can be profit and revenue generating, and then to see how that might scale across India and around the world. Praharsh is a wealth of knowledge, extremely passionate about sustainable farming, agriculture, and economics, and I guarantee you're going to like the way you feel after this episode. Enjoy and keep SDG talking. Praharsh, welcome to the SDG Talks podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Kevin. Good morning for you. I'm just doing fine. Great, thank you. So where are you located in the world today? Currently, I am based out of India. I am in a Gujarat state, that's the westernmost part of India. So my work and uh, my field connection is mostly related to Kutch region of India. That's mostly, it's like a deserted part of uh, western state of Gujarat. Nice. And within that part of India, I know you're doing a lot around water and have a lot of experience around water. What, How does water shape that particular part of India? And, and how is it from a, from a water quality or water quality standpoint? Any sort of historical context or, or insights to, to the importance of water within that region? Yeah, so basically we are currently working in Kutch region of uh, Gujarat state. It's like uh, most arid part of India. The region receives less than 300 mm of rainfall without any uh, perennial source of water and entire livelihood depends on the rainfall and the water. And uh, I can just share my own story. My great-grandfather had to migrate out of that region uh, almost a century ago because there was a continuous uh, six to seven years of droughts and that left no water for even drinking purpose in the region and my great grandparents had to migrate to other parts of India and had to get stable over there. So something that motivated me to get back to the region and work for the people of the region was the motivation. How can I work for the people who are currently facing almost a similar situation? It was like when between 2013 to 18, the region again saw a kind of once in a hundred year drought situation with continuous six years of below average rainfall. Wow. 
And yeah, I mean, whether it's too much water or not enough water, I know that that really defines all the different geographies around the world. And when you're constantly relying on rainwater, it creates a challenge. And I'm sure that's that's caused some some forced migrations over the years and makes it a challenge, I'm sure, with with different industry, whether it's manufacturing or agriculture. So what, what type of economic activity is it a lot of farming or in, in industry or what type of economic activity goes on within that region? So the region is very dynamic in the sense like if I just give you a bit background or a history about the region, like this was a kind of mostly neglected part of India because of uh, less population density and not much resource rich. It was considered not very resource rich at some point of time, but after 2002, the region was struck by a massive colossal earthquake that left almost 50,000 people dead and more than uh, 20 lakh people, like uh, 2 million people were displaced. After that, the central government and the state governments and also international aid agencies started pouring in money and efforts to revive this entire region. And if we see after 2002, there has been massive boom across the sectors that was mainly propelled by the foreign agencies and the other market players coming into this region for investment, developing agriculture. Agriculture still comes for more than 60% of the GDP of the uh, region. Secondly, uh, the industries got a very huge boom in the last uh, 20, almost 20 years. And also the tourism uh, was something that started as a very fresh beat over there. And last 10 years is like, uh, this is the region that never used to see any people coming to the visit as a visitors. And now they are blocks and blocks of people coming as the travelers and the tourist destination is becoming a hotspot. Well, that, um, I guess that's a good thing, right? And, and why, why, why do you think there's a, a recent boom in, in tourism and, is that creating more problems than than before, or is that is that helping local economic activity? So, as you know, like there are always two sides of a coin. So, it certainly helped the local uh, artisans and the people from the local parts to get better economic outcomes. But as we know, this region was very much water scarce and always used to be. But the tourism industry is such that they have a huge capital to invest on. And what tourism development did that the only water source that this region had was the groundwater. So agriculture and everything was very much dependent on the groundwater stability, like it shouldn't be depleting. But once there was a huge investment coming in, there was a new technologies to bore deeper and deeper for groundwater extraction. And this led to like in last 10 years, groundwater has depleted by almost 200 feet. So it's used to be around 200 feet below the ground just 10 years before and now it stands at around 500 feet below the ground. So this is a kind of the situation where it's unprecedented. Like in the world, uh, very few pockets of the world might have seen such a huge depletion of groundwater that's so much important for the livelihood and the life of the people in the region. Depleting has such a huge, massive scale. Interesting. And and within within that context now, I mean, within the work that you're doing with the International Water Management Institute, how does the work you're doing and how does that advocacy around water tie into raising awareness on water insecurity or water advocacy and, and, and really water solutions? 
so as i told you the my motivation to join international water management institute was very much driven by the uh, my motivation to work for the region in kutch because this is a region which i feel strongly connected with and i found the farmers even my grandfather was a farmer working on the same fields of the region so i found that okay this is the people who are getting a worst impact of climatic changes in the recent years but their economic stability is also dwindled with the rainfall decrease and only source of water they had was the groundwater and that also got depleted to unprecedented levels so for last couple of years i have been intervening in two ways firstly i am connecting with the farmers who are innovating new crops that are requiring less water and how can they can make the crops like date or the pomegranates or the mangoes that requires less water than most of the cereals and pulses how they can make them more marketable how that can be more suitable for their soils and also on the second side how they can invest some money on from this better marketed crops to invest back on the revival of the groundwater because like the groundwater depletion if it has to be reverted it has to be recharged like the way we recharge our phones we need to recharge more water into the aquifers through the artificial uh, interventions so currently my work is on these two fronts i have the organizing farmers for better groundwater recharge initiatives and also prioritize how the farmers can get better outcomes or a better value of their productions so that they can sustain their agriculture activities over there and with the uh, the second part that you just talked about with trying to maximize farmer yields and 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 let's say minimize losses and maximize their output how do you do that is that with better seeds is that with better drip irrigation is it with better education what do you how do you actually empower these local farmers so best part about this region is that uh, apart from many other parts of india the farmers of these regions are far more proactive in adopting new things so they have been adopting the groundwater revival techniques and also the better yield practices one thing that they were lacking was how they can market their crop very effectively for example if i give you a specific experiment that we did here ago with the farmers over the region like this region is very much suitable for a farming of date palms the date palm is a requires a high salinity water and a kind of arid climate entire india this is the patch that has a suitable climate for that and from 2005 6 onwards the farmers took up the farming of date palm but initially it would fetch them really good prices but just in a few years there was a complete boom that all the farmers just switched from their traditional crops to cultivation of palms and this led to a market failure there was not sufficient storage or processing capacity with the farmers or neither the state or go- central governments had investment on that side neither market was adequate on absorbing all the cultivation and in last couple of years the same use crop used to yield them a, almost a 1 dollar a kg now gets them almost 10 not even a 10 like it just uh, almost one tenth of what they used to get 
Wow. So that was like very huge learning for me as well. The farmers are putting in huge efforts. They are getting huge yields also. They are having a better yields than most of the farmers in any parts of India. But just because they are not able to market those crops well, not able to process them well, not able to get them to the final consumers directly, this leads to no better improvement on their economic or financial sides. And then from the the first part you brought up, the groundwater, it's often something that most people never think about until it goes dry. I mean, most most people, they're, we're consumers and we eat food. But obviously, farmers and you would think policymakers are very aware of groundwater. And when it rains, usually we're, we're okay. And obviously, if it rains too much, it floods. But from recharging groundwater and encouraging best practices with that, what is being done and, and how do you, what are some tactics that are being done and how do you encourage people to be good groundwater stewards? So best part for this specific region was like farmers themselves understood for last five years of continuous below rainfall time that they need to survive the, the depletion of groundwater. Otherwise, there is no sustenance of their any practices in future. They will not able to sustain their agriculture. If there is no agriculture, there will be no repercussions on other sectors as well. So when I started working over there, so there were two ways. The farmers need the collective actions. Like groundwater is a common pooled resource. Like if I am just, it's not like the one person is managing entire groundwater. It's like a collective pool of people uh, residing on the same uh, aquifer system. It may be ranging from few villages to entire block of more than 100 villages. And puncture at one place can affect the water availability even a few kilometers away. So this was something that we really required to let people understand that, okay, this is the common resource that you are going to manage. Be just careful that how best you can manage those. And the best part was that as they were already understanding that depletion was detrimental to their crops, they readily accepted that, okay, this is something that we need to adopt. And on the technological side, how this can be revived is that there are a couple of ways. When there is a huge rainfall, we just try to percolate as more water as possible. And this is also kind of coastal region. It's not very far from the sea. So whenever it rains, it uh, rains in a very haphazard way, like it's heavy rain on very short period of time. So it's mostly high runoff of rainwater rather than percolation for groundwater recharge. So that requires a small, small investment of small recharge structures, like a small gabion structure of a wall that reduces the overland flow of the rainwater after it rains. So it gets percolated deep into the aquifers. Even a few farmers who had their deep tube wells or the bore wells getting dried because they depleted the, the water to the extent that they are not yielding any much. So they started uh, putting this uh, rainwater just flowing by into the sea to this uh, defunct bore wells and that gets recharged. The water percolates deep into the 300 or 400 feet deep tube wells and spreads across the aquifer and this is something that worked very well and this year fortunately this year uh, after almost six years of uh, drought the region got almost 200 percent normal rainfall like it was almost double of rainfall 
and all the structures that were built for last couple of years in wait of rainfall they are completely full now and it shows that within a small investment on recharge they could get good and uh, quite good benefit out of it wow yeah so it's that's a great example of where it's not that hard and if you have a little foresight about doing those some of those best practices and implementing those recharge structures and think about the greater good and not just yourself that's uh kind of the hopefully the reverse of the tragedy of commons where we can harness the rainwater to to recharge the groundwater aquifers which hopefully then benefits everyone that be correct yeah completely and uh the best part of the entire movement that was generated in the region was that it was collective actions and as you correctly mentioned it was a tragedy of commons but it's now happiness of commons like everyone invested on their side and now everyone is happier better off happiness of commons i think we need to make that a thing i don't know if, <laughs> i don't know if it is yet but i think you you may we might need to do a little trademark behind that that that's that's brilliant Uh, you you know I haven't heard of it. It just came to my mind, and I just <laughs> thought of putting it here. I, I think well, that's uh, that might be the title of the episode: "Tragedy to Happiness of Commons." <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, so I'm just uh, also looking at some of your background, and I I saw that you were you were also at the Unleash event in 2019. I was there as well. And what was your experience like? And and what what was some of the what was the solution or the the technology or project that you worked on? So Unleash was an exceptional uh, thing that happened to my life just last year, and fortunately, we were in China just a month before this entire pandemic I'm, started. So crazy! <laughs> so right when it was brewing, uh, we were in Shenzhen. Yeah, <laughs> completely. So uh, we missed to connect over that, but it's fine. It's really great to connect after some time. I was as part of SDG thirteen team, and we were working on the climate disasters. and actually if i say that uh, the idea of collecting common people and i working on what is the exact problem that requires the solution this entire ma- ma- methodological views came from the last year's unleash event because if you see like whenever i used to talk to the people about the farmers condition in region of kutch they used to like okay they need to like grow more of agriculture to get better off there used to people like uh, okay they just need uh, someone to buy their products so like let's build up a huge factory over there or something but these solutions were not idealistic or they were not thought through very well but unleash actually taught me how to exactly frame your problem in a precise manner and there i could identify the two major pinning points first the failure of market in the date crops and secondly how the groundwater is so much important in the resilience of this entire region and fortunately i worked on both the sides and this year unleash plus you must be aware of unleash plus has uh, accepted our solution on uh, agriculture marketing processing of date palms and we are being uh, trained by the unleash plus specialist on scaling our ground level work That's amazing. So tell me tell me more about that. You said some type of market analysis or marketing or what is the Unleash Plus solution? Yeah, so let me just again come to the very date episode that we had. 
So as I told, like the prices of date fell from almost a dollar a kg to almost a ten cents a kg, just in five years, six years. Major reason behind that was that there was not adequate processing of the crop, and this crop is highly perishable. And the region is quite cut off from the other parts of India that has major market. It's like almost 500 or 600 kilometers away from any other major urban conglomerate or urban city. So that was the biggest difficulty. How this highly perishable goods that just get destroyed within 24 to 48 hours of harvest, how this can be brought to the larger crowd. So we, in last one year, experimented with almost 35 different products made out of this. And we put them into the market. We put them some stalls, some uh, outlets, and some malls. So from there, we got the kind of feedback that there are a few products that are quite uh, impressive. Like not just they are better in marketing; people are interested in buying them more. They are also better to process for the farmer side. It just requires a minimum investment on farmer side to just create a. A pickle or a dried dates out of this uh, raw material of uh, date palm, hmm. and this can certainly increase their current level of income by more, almost three to five times. And at the same time, the f- consumers who are lacking the availability of this highly nutritious fruits and highly nutritious items, they can also get this kind of items. Then they actually like to pay more for them. Yeah. So it seems like it's um some of an education process to. Educate those with the raw materials and how they can repurpose the products, the the raw product, into different finished products that can be sold at different price points for different customers. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. And major uh, one of the most important thing was the how we can dry these dates or dehydrate these dates so that they can be stored for a longer time, so they don't really get perished within a few hours. and that was a technical task that required much of the research because that was not direct sand drying was possible because they are normally harvested during the time when there is a monsoon or a rainfall season in india so we can't get the good sand drying so there a lot of efforts were invested on how we can dry those and that was a technical intervention also that we had to implement on ground That's amazing. Well, congrats on Unleash 2019 and, and continuing to run with the solution. I know it's it's it takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and passion to take it from the initial phase to now putting it into practice. So, props to you, and I'm really excited to hear about what's next with that. Within the Unleash Plus, like what is next? Is it now scaling this throughout India? Is it creating an education platform? That provides the resources to the different farmers, or what is the next step within this initiative? So within this initiative, we have just uh, targeted a few a dozen of farmers, and a clear our intention is to reach to more, almost a hundred farmers by end of this year, and more than one thousand by next year. While we are reaching out to this many farmers, we also need to scale up our uh, processing and uh, distribution channels. So through Unleash Plus, we are actually targeting how we can scale this pilot layer solution to a better implemented, a huge or large scale solution for entire region that has a population of more than two or yeah, two to three million people. Wow, that's amazing! And and I think we want we want to use this podcast forum as well as some other mediums 
to help raise the awareness on this throughout India. And maybe this is something that can be scaled and repurposed to other places because like you said, there's so many ways and we're seeing it now with circular economies about how we can use excess product or how we can repurpose a core input into a new output. And we need to be creative. We only have so many resources on this world and we we need to continue to allow people to develop an economic livelihood. So it seems like what you're working on is a cool platform that can now allow people to maybe even share best practices and learn from each other on how to be creative with not only dates, but you know, I could see this working with, with different products, like let's say with, with palm trees or with, with rubber or mm-hmm. with, with anything, you know, I'm sure there's so many creative things that can be done to repurpose those raw materials into other types of products. Yeah, completely. And uh, you might be surprised to know this as well. Like uh, Unleash started with the Unleash Hex this year. So I'm a part of Unleash Hex also. And I'm an organizing team member of Unleash Hex. And we are targeting specifically on SDG 13 and SDG 8. It is like a climate action and better livelihood opportunities. Yep. And we are promoting how we can get more people to work on similar kind of solution at community levels. Like the communities that are most vulnerable to the climatic changes, they are mostly agriculture and tribal who don't have a cop-up mechanisms. The city dwellers are not going to get that much affected on the livelihoods. Like the IT professional will not get the impact of changing climate as much as the agriculture or uh, tribal part of this developing countries gets. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Excited to uh, announce over here, like we had almost 150 participants coming together, interested to come together, and we have selected around 50 best people to work on the this SDG 13 and SDG 8 for uh, similar ideation and problem framing practices yep. for climate uh, action for better livelihoods for the marginalized communities. Yeah, well put. So I was uh, looking at the form here and, and interested in your thoughts on this is within the whole framework of the SDGs, of course, there's 17 of them and they're all important and they're all interconnected. But in your eyes and your, your perspective, what, what's something that, that really excites you about the SDGs and also what's something that, that terrifies you and scares you about the SDGs? SDGs are completely exceptional frameworks for design, for giving a direction for all the people from smaller scale to large scale or governments to get some alignment to their work. And I'm completely excited how precisely they have put together documentation on what can be this pathways or ways in which this can be achieved. And I'm completely excited that it has for a first time brought in synergy of environment and nature and humans and the entire development is envisaged in a way that it's not just economical development or a wealth development. It's envisaged in a way like it's a better livelihood for all, better equity, better opportunities and a more harmony most importantly with nature and other communities and other people. That's really excites me. Like this is unprecedented in human race. I think when people are invested, investing so much of efforts in better harmonizing, rather this human race has a long history of fighting with each other and destroying the nature. So that exactly excites me a lot. One hindsight that I always thought of is like 
there is certainly a good opportunities to come together but still there is some lack that connects the people or excited people to the ground for instance uh, when i was a student in a college i was rarely understanding how i can contribute to sdg but when i actually went to the field started working with farmers started talking to them understanding their problems it was very easy to connect me all the sdgs very well understand them how i can just work for them how my skills can be better utilized for them but i see that almost uh, 90 people of uh, young enthusiast crowd they are not able to get those ground understanding well they are not able to connect with the communities well they are not able to go to the field and go got the micro level innovations that are required and that is something that requires to work upon well put and I, i think there's like you said it's part of even giving the the opportunity to to younger people to to kind of show them what they can can do i mean sometimes we we read these textbooks or we we see these blog posts or and we may think well where do i start and what can i do but i think some of the your experience is a great example of you know may not know exactly what to do but you you have first hand pain with the problem and and you talked about with your dad being forced to migrate and some of the struggles but you just start somewhere and it doesn't need to be a huge initiative yeah. you can just start small and by if you impact the life of one farmer or one other person that's significant and i think that's that's what we want people to know that there's impacting one person is is a great yeah. way to start and you can really get a lot of good domino effect from just trying to help one person at a time completely i agree and i just want to reiterate the same like when i just started last year with just two or three farmers on board there were many who were just laughing out like what will you do with such a small scale impact but within a year i can see like the crowd of two three farmers has grown into a few dozens now and it's going to get increased over the years so that's, that's amazing like driving force for me that's amazing well prahash one one last thing here well if you were to give us the listeners one last final thought on inspiration or a quote or a bow of encouragement any any kind of final thought to wrap us up here i would like to uh, as a final thoughts my work mostly has associated how we can utilize the community's traditional knowledge or their power to better achieve the sdgs and i really appreciate that younger crowd who can go to the people and work for the people directly coming connecting with them that can create a huge impact working at a community scale is far better than working at a government or a larger scale and this is the actually a way where we can kind of convert the tragedy of commons into a happiness of commons i think like agree yeah so that's like what i passion or what drives me is like rather than neither we want the individualistic uh, approach where uh, like economic benefit for one person is one person is far more important than community neither we want uh, large scale approaches where entire uh, country is motivated to do something and we just make like the ground level people i think we need something in between like community scale things how within a community of a few villages or within a village entire village can develop them in a perspective of developing for a sustainable goals 
Couldn't agree more. And Prash, you you are the epitome of the the inspiring change makers that that get me out of bed every morning. And I, I love learning and listening about your story. And uh, we'll make sure to include all the different amazing links in the show notes. And on behalf of the SDG Talks community, we want to thank you for the work you're doing. And we're really excited to see what's next for you. Thank you very much, Kevin. And it's uh, my pleasure that I get, could get connect with you and share my thoughts. It's like many a times it's many people like me working on few secluded places just get lost and what you are doing to bring them all together and showing the world how they can implement the better things is commendable thing. And I really appreciate your efforts on that side. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you very much and have a good day. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleashed and United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. Look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.